Hey y'all, welcome into the USL show for, well, not forecast, but close to it on Tuesday night. Uh, I'm John at USL Tactics, stepping in for Kaylor as sort of the main host tonight, uh, joined by Gio. Say hi. How are you guys? Good to be here. Uh, USL League one over USL Championship, let's go. <laughs> and we've also got Ryan. Hello, how are you tonight? Yeah, doing well. And we'll be joined by Alan a little bit later on. Um, ironically, the stream and the show tonight are named in honor of Phil's El Paso locomotive, kind of getting off the schneid with a crushing victory against Monterey, and Phil is uh, out on a business trip. But we're still in for a good stream tonight and excited to get going. Uh, so without further ado, uh, last time we streamed, it was before the whole round of U.S. Open Cup games. I know there was plenty to talk about across League One and Championship, a couple of upsets. Uh, Gio, what's something that really caught your eye in terms of the Open? Oh, man, I've been on the Open Cup high since since uh, all those games. They were amazing, just watching one by one how great the USL League One teams did. Um, it's very competitive games. Um, I had a great time watching it. I really miss this Cup. Uh, this is the first time I'm super super invested as much as i am now uh last time green bull had lost to charleston in the second round i believe and that was a fun time when we beat tormenta but this year just seeing the competition and how the leagues have grown and uh, just all the banter online um being live at the greenville game was amazing uh i expected i expected much more out of oakland they had a lot of possession but nothing to show for and I felt like we played great, and it was just really nice to see as we're transitioning with some of our players um, that have left us and, and trying to find a new identity that Harks is looking for. Uh, for us to play and, and be so just play, stable out the back and didn't let them get through, even though they were missing some of their best players. And it was great to see Fuego just beat up on El Paso. It, it, it was gr just they had a great showing somewhere that it wasn't such a short amount of time to get into that stadium because I don't believe that was their home stadium either where they'll be playing all their League One games. And they still had 3,000 people go for a big game. And then they still showed up on the weekend and got a good result against the Independents um, after traveling back and forth from Greenville back home and then back to Charlotte. Uh, it's impressive to see. And uh, Hailstorm, um, they got a win against one of the best teams in the championship, and that was super impressive. Uh, to me, um, they weren't dominant in any way, shape, or form. But, you know, at the end of the day, they won. They beat a really quality side. And I think it says a lot about the league, expansion sides and, and some sides that already have been around and, and doing something and, and make, getting these big results against these teams. And it really shows the quality we have in all USL. Yeah, Ryan, how about your thoughts? Yeah, I think that was really shocking how many uh, USL Championship sides really seemed to struggle or take a defeat. I'm not sure if it was that some of the USL1 teams had more of a proper preseason arrest to go into it, because I think for a few of these sides, for instance, with Northern Colorado, they were able to have their first match of the season be basically preparing for this Open Cup match, whereas a lot of the USL Championship sides have already been in season form and had taken some defeats. Charleston Battery, in particular, had a really poor loss against Tormenta, uh, among others, St. Louis City, although they're kind of a MLS light team, played a really good game against an Indy 11 side. But I think it was just it 
like at Gio, as you were saying, this is just like one of the best things about U.S. soccer. It's the third oldest cup within the within the world right now, and just like to see everyone interact with each other online, how available all the streams are on ESPN Plus. It's just one of the best parts of the season. It's something that we've all like really truly missed as just fans of soccer within this country. That is just so cool to see. Some of these teams play each other that just don't typically play each other, or in other cases, teams who have to play each other consecutive times in a quick turnaround, such as uh, Phoenix, New Mexico this weekend in the league, and then turn around and play them again in the cup midweek. But it's just great to have the competition back and uh, the banter, the rivalries. It's all kind of kicked off and come alive here. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about the cup for me, um, you mentioned it with the widened access where you're getting those ESPN plus streams instead of like my Cujo TV or whatever it was. Um, but I like when you see some of the younger players getting involved for these, especially with the championship sides. But I uh, think about Alan Torres with Madison on loan from Indy 11. Think about Sackshog with uh, San Antonio, who I think got a brace in their open cup game. That sort of thing is exciting. Like I'm here for that. I'm here for these league one upsets. Um, Chattanooga from Mesa getting the win over Memphis was awesome to see. And they really dominated the game against what's like a mid-table Memphis side. Um, just pivoting, though, one of the more controversial results was the Detroit 3-0 win over the Michigan Stars. Uh, not controversial on the pitch. Detroit dispatched with them pretty easily on the basis of just pretty terrible mistakes. Uh, but we got that infamous now, like, smoke dark. Because I know, at least on my end, like I sort of, as with everyone else, was clowning on the Michigan Stars on Twitter. Um, but I know that that's a pretty typical thing for a team to be setting off a smoke bomb to celebrate a goal. And so, for a, a salty team owner to come out with a pretty fiery statement about that hurting his players seems unbecoming. And I know, obviously, the Stars have a history of this sort of bad behavior, but. Uh, for me, it just kind of adds to the whole experience of you have very professional outlets coming in and competing in this cup. And on the other end of things, you have organizations like the Michigan Stars who kind of act like children the whole time. But I guess that's the fun of it. I have to say, your your video analysis of that game was one of the funniest things <laughs> I have seen in a long time. I, I was laughing so hard like that is perfect that's exactly what i wanted to see come from you and of all, all all your amazing videos that i've watched it's funny how that's the one that got the most interactions is that the most ever you think you've gotten yeah so just for context i, I broke down the three goals that uh, michigan gave up to the tune of sarah mclaughlin's in the arms of an angel and it got uh like thirty six thousand views which is like seven or eight times more than anything I've ever done. And I think part of that is the Detroit fan base being completely rabid. But um, just the fact that really U.S. soccer was united in their uh, laughing at Michigan really combined to make it a big deal on the whatever niche part of Twitter I live in. Yeah, it is very niche. 
<laughs> if there's anything that unites uh, a soccer fandom, it's being able to laugh at the expense of another club. Yeah, that's totally I think it's Detroit messing with his internet. <laughs> yeah, or Michigan. I know, having a bit of issues here. But um, um, I know one of the games early on that caught my eye was that Pittsburgh Tulsa matchup. Uh, coming in, I really had those earmarked as two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and Pittsburgh really jumped down their throats. Like went up four to one. They run this super fun like three six one formation in the game. Uh, Albert Dickwab ended up winning player of the week based on the brace he got. Uh, what games kind of caught your guys' eyes? I know I had a couple more, but. Just the fact that wasn't Lily Ball. We have seen it all for Pittsburgh. It's so rare when you see the Riverhounds get four goals past any opponent in a true offensive display. But um, I do at least want to give you props that uh, you were the only one this week, John, who had picked Indy 11 to win their game against RGV. And I remember last week, Kaler had even said when we were going through that pick that, like, does John know something we don't? And it turned out to be true as Indy 11 got a 2-1 result win away at uh, RGV. But his I guess, lock, too. Yeah, his lock yeah. pick of the week. That, that is what made it even more insane. But I guess the one game that really uh, stuck out to me was that Miami, the Miami FC got a 1-0 result over their in-state rivals, Tampa Bay, in their first victory at Al Lang Stadium as well across club history. Uh, I just That was a really interesting outcome, and it was one that you wouldn't have really expected Tampa Bay to like truly struggle to a team here. Uh, I will at least say that was a, a match that we had all picked the Rowdies to win, and I'd even picked the Rowdies as my lock pick of that week's but uh yeah i'd say that was kind of my more uh, surprising outcome of the week yeah my big game in usl league one that i watched was friday night's independence game against central valley fuego um like i said earlier it was impressive to see them travel as much as they did and go to charlotte and charlotte as much um fun as the league and fans like to make of them they they have a decent team they have they have some decent players. They have some quality. They have some help from Charlotte FC now, um, and <clears throat> you know they like to block people like me for no reason. <laughs> but you know uh, they they came out on the front foot. But Central Valley Fuego just they they have the grit, the fight. They they will get you on the counterattack. And for them to come back the way they did, BJF scored in the 81st minute and the 96th minute, just to come back and win this game after it seemed like Charlotte had it won and in the bag uh, was very impressive with the amount of travel that they've had and the amount of games they played in such a short amount of time. And this is their first, you know, full season in the USL League One. And for, the come out, for them to come out and beat Greenville, as much as that hurt, and John was right, and I'll say, you know, I, I argued with him a little bit, but he was right. And I was scared that it was a possibility, but it happened. Um, they really impressed me. The, the amount of fight they have, um, hopefully they can keep going rest of the season um i can't wait for greenville to take a trip over there uh, and then watch that game and one day i'd love to make a trip um, but that's that game really impressed me and it shows that they're they're here to play and and i love that from a first year team coming in and, and playing against established teams and giving them that fight and getting results yeah and we had it pointed out in the comments but in a six-day span they went from greenville back home to uh, fresno 
then all the way back over to Charlotte and really had three pretty decent results in that stretch. So really impressive. I was impressed by Bjev as well. Um, obviously, he was sort of on the fringes of the Golden Boot race in USL last season, but he kind of like played this left wing role really effectively driving play for Fuego. So I think they're a team to watch once the schedule kind of evens out a bit and they get more settled. Um, just on that indie result, really, it was not any sort of insider knowledge. Like I just decided, you know what, maybe this is the week where I go with a homer pick and decide that Mark Lowry is going to get it done going back to Texas. And I got lucky with that. Although Indy did pick up some additional help this week. You touched on it a little bit last night on the uh, short show with uh, Solomon Asante joining uh, Indy 11. Yeah, that's right. I mean, really, he's a player whose record precedes him. He's a two-time MVP, three-time All-League. You would know him from playing that right-wing spot in Phoenix for the last four years where he's got 50-some goals and 100-some appearances. He's really been the best player in the USL for a good three or four years at this point. And so if you're in the 11 who is averaging two shots on target a game right now, to add somebody who does that in his sleep in a given match is just a huge deal. Um, I know I traded a little bit of commentary back and forth with Brendan Mays today. I was talking about Bijev, in fact, and what he does on the left wing. Um, And just the ability to have somebody who brings that dribbling threat, that instant offense, completely tilts the field in your favor where the uh, opponent has to react. And so if you're Indy who can't generate any offense right now, bringing in somebody like that is just crucial Mm -hmm. to what you're trying to do. So I really think that's a big deal, especially given that in this past weekend you had uh, Stefano Pino getting off the shine at striker. You're getting these players who are going to draw attention from opponents, and hopefully that has the knock-on effect of opening up the midfield where this team has struggled. So I think that's really going to be something to watch. I do have a question about Asante. I've I've heard of him before, even before I started following USL, and I knew he was a great player and doing great things in Phoenix. But I guess, was he trialing with anybody, or do we know why it's taken a few weeks in for him to be signed? Because I know he left Phoenix before the season started. Um, that he wasn't coming back. I remember him tweeting something or a goodbye message, and they got all these new si- Phoenix got all these new signings. But I guess what was the difference in the past month or so? Where, where, why he wasn't signed before? Do you guys know or have any insight on that? I had seen some. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! I really wanted to know this answer. I'm lagging out, lagging out a little bit. Um, but Devin had sort of hinted that uh, Asante had been in the indie camp for a little bit. I know I had heard early in the offseason that he was thinking about, or Asante, that is, was thinking about going back home to Ghana because he's not really moved his family over. So wow. I don't know what's happened. Maybe Indy just kind of dropped the bag on him uh, in the last month or so and maybe gave him the opportunity to see if he got anything better in the preceding time. But no matter what happens, like mm-hmm. big deal signing for the 11, and especially given that they've not had the best of starts. It's a team for American soccer analysis is who's underperforming their XG right now currently. And it's just someone who needs help scoring and can have this one player that comes in and just kind of kickstarts your offense. Yeah, he's dynamite. And um, 
I think in terms of that Eastern race, you hit on that Miami-Tampa Bay match, but there's really a lot of parity in that division so far. Um, I think one of the surprise teams has been Detroit as well. They got that 4 nothing win down in Atlanta where they looked like as good as anybody that you've seen all season. Um, and so to see that, to see Birmingham finally get a, um, a win for themselves with that 2-1 to victory against Hartford over the weekend, it's really heating up in terms of what's happening with that Eastern race. Yeah, if we're looking at just my uh, Eastern Conference ELO ratings, I had published my first set of those earlier this week. Uh, it, we basically have Louisville and Pittsburgh as the top two, but then we have a bunch of teams who are fighting for that kind of mid-tier ground with just the top seven making the playoffs. Uh, it seems like it's going to be more competitive of a race than we had anticipated coming into this season. Yeah, no, totally in agreement. Um, thinking about the Western Conference, too, um, I know that obviously I referenced the title of the episode of talking about Phil celebrating, but El Paso looked so sharp getting that. They looked very sharp, yes. It's a team overperforming their XG yeah. at the moment with 13 goals scored on an XG of 10.9. But at just some point, we needed to, like, they needed to have an XG game go their way. Hey, you can't have, they couldn't have been like a Brighton who loses, and it's like game after game. And they finally get one this weekend with getting a 5 to nil victory over Monterey. They, I'd have to check if that was their largest uh, margin of victory they've had as a club, but it, it seemed like something like had to work out for them eventually. They're a team that has given up so many good chances in every one of their games. And I think approach wise, this was such a breath of fresh air for them. They played their fullbacks a lot deeper. They brought in Yuma and Andrew Fox who know each other from past seasons rather than these new acquisitions. Uh, Newton was staying a little bit further back on his line. And then combine that with the fact that you're playing a really kind of crappy Monterey team. It just conspired to be a good performance for them as we're welcoming welcoming Allen in now and just talking about that El Paso game. And I will confirm it is the largest margin of victory they've ever had in a match. They've had a few 4-0 victories over the course of their history since 2019. Wow, okay. I mean, they look, they look good in the second half versus San Diego. I thought this was, again, like a team that I think was underperforming results. And I mean, I, I said it was the best own four team that I think I've ever seen. And then one of the San Diego guys reminded me that San Diego was also own four at the beginning of the season last season. And we're fighting for a home playoff match. Right. So um, El Paso is probably going to be fine if they continue to, to play like they played in the second half, like they played against Monterey Bay. Um, they they have obviously have some issues on the back end. Uh, I think Evan Newton maybe is getting a little bit of a raw deal in this. Maybe he looks worse than he is. Um, just guys not really playing as a cohesive unit on the defensive side, I think, is the problem. Uh, and hopefully time solves that, right? Like, we've seen teams come together late and go on a good run. Um, and, you know, you don't win the championship in week six, uh, which is something that I think San Diego fans are are one to be reminded of is things are going well now, but it's a really long season. Uh, and El Paso is a team that you th- w- would like to believe is going to figure it out. Uh, and then, 
you know, they might be that team that sneaks into a six, seven spot at the end of the year and then looks real dangerous in the playoffs because they were real hot. Uh, so, um, yeah, El Paso looks good offensively. They just need to figure out how to defend as a, as a unit, I guess, in the back end. But, I mean, this this was bound to happen sooner or later, and it's it's. I'm happy that El Paso fans uh, don't have to be miserable as yeah, I know. Uh, speaking to that defensive point, I've got a piece coming out tomorrow talking about what they did tactically to kind of shore things up. Um, a lot of it was the personnel changes, but just their general approach looked a whole lot brighter against Monterey. So I think that's something to look forward to for, too, uh, for El Paso fans. Um, elsewhere in the West, I know we had San Antonio get a nice one nothing win against Orange County. And boy, that San Antonio team really has just gone on a nice run in recent weeks. Um, they defend really well. They counterattack like nobody's business. I know I talked a lot about being worried with like Gallegos and Epps leaving, but like Elliot Collier got a goal. Um, Justin Dillon has filled in the gap excellently. David Loera is one of the breakouts of the season. That's a team that's hardly going to give up a goal and they're going to counterattack you so fiercely. So I think that's something to be watching out West too. I think what's interesting in the Western Conference this year is that we've already seen a gap kind of form between the teams that are in the playoffs and the teams that aren't. If you look at the top seven right now, we have New Mexico in seventh place right now on eight points, Marsh County in eighth place on four points. So we are already seeing our kind of top seven teams develop. Obviously, it's still very early in the season, but uh, we, they already have three teams who are already above into double-digit points. So it's a very interesting dynamic that we have within the uh, Western Conference compared to the parity of the East. Is it just me or is like, does the Eastern Conference feel like the Old West and the West feels like the Old East? Like, we, that's what we used to say, right? Some of the top teams were in the East, but like West was more depth. And now it feels like there's like a couple really, really strong teams in the West. And then uh, maybe not as deep uh, in the West. So maybe they, they're, they're flipping uh, places. Uh, but I, I think there's some teams down in in the the basement of the West that I think are going to go on some runs and and really close this gap and make it feel uh, as competitive as it probably should be over the course of the season. Uh, I think you know Orange County I think has the potential to figure some stuff out if they can get some of their offensive guys going. Um, you know San Antonio, it, it looks like they're going to continue to San Antonio. Um, you know Phoenix is currently in sixth on nine points. I mean they're going to. They're going to go on a run at some point if they haven't even started it right now, right? Two wins in a row. So I think out West, it's 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 looking a little bit barren. Like maybe there's a couple of, of teams that are not super impressive, but one of those is El Paso with three points. So I think, you know, maybe after, maybe check back in a couple more weeks after 10 matches and see kind of where that all shakes out. Um, it would feel like, yeah, right. It would feel like the old Western Conference if we had St. Louis in the East. Um yeah, I miss those days. Yeah, we well, have Tulsa who can switch that. conferences. Yeah, that's right. And at least we got St. Louis with that nice open <laughs> cup win against Indy, which really is like a PTSD moment for any Indy fan. But um, we also, <laughs> um, speaking to the Phoenix point a little bit, I'm just not sold on the fact that they're uh, like a real juggernaut favorite like they were in years past i think they're certainly a playoff team and i think they're going to end up near the top of the table but there's almost like a sacramento feel where they went on 
win, but and I feel like my stream just lagged, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't dis I don't disagree. And maybe this is something where Phoenix has been going all in for the like the supporter shield or whatever the highest point total is, uh, to the detriment of like being physically prepared for the playoffs. Um, Phoenix has been a really great regular season game regular season team, and maybe not the most convincing in the playoffs. And and maybe borrowing from the Lu the Louisville approach, the Louisville approach, where you know you, the job of the regular season isn't to finish at the top. It's to set the team up to be successful for a playoff run. And usually those teams end up toward the top by the end of the year, right? They go on a nice run to finish the season uh, or the course of the season. They, they figure some stuff out. But, uh, I mean, if Phoenix Rising finishes first in the Western Conference, I wouldn't be surprised. If they finish third or fourth uh, on a good run to finish the end of the season, I also would not be particularly uh, surprised either. Um and maybe it just shows kind of the the growth of Rick Schantz as a coach um, to and, and maybe a little bit rebuilding as well. Uh, maybe not as necessarily retooling, but kind of rebuilding the team to fix some of the, those uh, those issues in the playoffs. Like I said, a regular season team, you know, you're going to pick Phoenix more often than not in the playoffs in these one off games. Uh, they haven't necessarily been the luckiest team either. Right. They've had some bad luck. They've had some some not great games, but um, yeah, maybe this is the year that Phoenix rising takes something out of the Louisville city playbook and maybe doesn't, you know, try to run away with something and, and build to the end. Although loose city right now is, you know, I think they've let in one goal all season. Uh, so maybe it's a bad example this year, but traditionally loose city hasn't been like the, the, the blazing team to go out hot and, and, and win from uh, start finish. Yeah, if we're looking back through uh, some of the USL era, the last time we had a team who won the, uh, who basically did the Shield and League double was, I think, 2016 New York Red Bulls, too. So it still shows that it takes a little bit of luck and success that you have to have within USL to end up becoming the champions. When you get to that knockout stage, that's one of those anything can happen. You could have a team who basically storms their way into the USL championship final, or you could have end up facing a team really tough in the first round and results you going to penalties and exiting there. Yeah, I think with, and also with kind of the powerhouse that Colorado Springs has been at the beginning of the year, um, there's going to, I think, a little bit more competition toward the top end that maybe we haven't gotten in the past couple seasons from the West, um, where Phoenix was pretty far and away the most consistently good team in the West. It was kind of you would pencil them at the top and everyone was kind of fighting for second place. Uh, I think the conferences didn't necessarily help that either, uh, where, where Phoenix was, you know, dominating both times when we had the you know COVID restrictions, they were dominating the teams in in their division and kind of running away with everything. Now that we're back into conferences, I think this also makes a much more interesting uh, playing schedule for teams. Like San Diego's probably lucky they caught El Paso when they caught El Paso because they they might see him later. Maybe they don't win that match. Um, so it'll be. I think it's we're in for a much more wild ride over the course of the season. I think a lot of us have forgotten what you know. Uh, a 20, you know, 30 something games 
uh, season where you only play each other twice feels like. Uh, and I think we're, we're, we're not, I don't think we're emotionally prepared for that yet. Um, we got a pretty early start, but I don't think we're quite emotionally re- prepared for this season quite yet. How are y'all feeling about Vegas at this point? I know they had a, a somewhat tight game against Colorado Springs, I guess, but they kind Gio, how are you feeling about Vegas? Hey, I thought they were going to run away with it for a little while. I was just trusting <laughs> what everybody else was saying. But, the, you know, just in general, I've enjoyed watching some of these Western Conference games a lot more than these Eastern Conference games. Um, I do think the quality is there in the West. Uh, I've watched a lot of Oakland preparing just to prepare myself mentally for what the Open Cup we're going to bring in Greenville. And... It, for, for a little while, I was scared, but then I've watched San Diego play, and I think they, it, I, I've enjoyed watching them. It's and you know, and the switchbacks have been impressive. Um, I really like Sacramento, also, um, and Phoenix, of course. I do like their style play. Las Vegas, I haven't watched much of them. Um, I've hoped they, I was hoping they would get some results as far as for my picks, and they, uh, I don't know if I should pick them anymore, uh, but. Um, you know, they're th- I see they're three and three right now, and they started off well, and they kind of slowed down, but they still had a good game against Colorado. Uh, so, you know, maybe they'll still be able to – I think they'll be right in the middle, fringe of the playoffs. Um, but I don't necessarily think they are top team as, like, as if some people thought they might be after the start that they had. Yeah, right now with uh, the playoffs started today, I think they host a playoff game in the first round. Uh, Ryan, talk to us about, is this sustainable? I know they have a negative one goal differential, which is wild. Three wins, three losses, and a negative one goal differential. Six games, nine points. Is this sustainable for them? I don't think it's sustainable. It's some, uh, I think in, in, like, looking back at just historical results within USL, it's rare to see a negative goal differential get into the playoffs, much less be a negative goal differential who also hosts a playoff game. So they could still very well sneak in if they have just a couple really random and wild results over the course of the year, although they will get a very interesting test this uh, week with Pittsburgh uh, visiting Las Vegas I think that'll be a really difficult match for both teams, and especially coming off the heels of playing the Colorado Springs Switchbacks team to then go and turn around and play Lily Ball, who played one of their better games in recent history, and it's an undefeated Pittsburgh Riverhounds team visiting. I think it's going to be very interesting, but if they can get through this one, if you're looking ahead at some of their games, they then played Los Dos, Sacramento, and Monterey Bay of a California trio coming up that I think that's something they could get results out of if they just kind of like look past this one game. One question I really wanted to ask to uh, the group was that we are now down to just four teams left in USL championship who do not have a loss at the moment. That's the Louisville, Louisville city, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Colorado Springs switchbacks and New Mexico United. Which of those four teams do you think will be the last one remaining? And I'll put a caveat here that after this week, Louisville and Pittsburgh will be playing each other next. I mean, based on, I don't want to spoil any picks, but based on my picks, I would probably have to say like Colorado Springs is probably the last undefeated team. Um, Although I think Pittsburgh definitely has a chance. Uh, I would, I would, 
I wouldn't put my money on it, but I think Louisville might be the team. I think they've been playing great defense. Uh, they're a solid squad. I watched their Open Cup game against the Red Wolves, and they dominated that game. Uh, you know, Red Wolves had a very few chances, but it showed, you know, with the one goal scored this season, and then they pulled out a one nothing win against a team that really had a point to prove, and, it, you know, they they've looked good this season in a few games that I've watched. So I, I, um, I see John just commented, Lou and Pitt could be a draw. Um, I could see that happening, but I could see Louisville pulling out just a sneaky win and, and continue to be that undefeated team. Yeah. Cause Colorado's got, yeah. Colorado's got Memphis and then a sneaky one against Tulsa on the 23rd. And then they got Oakland on the road and RGV at home. Like I think if they can get out of Tulsa with the draw, like you could be looking at Colorado Springs, maybe not, you know, losing a game until somewhere in May, right? Where they face San Diego on the road, San Antonio on the road. So I think if Colorado Springs can get through Tulsa without losing, like we're, we might be talking about a, a May before Colorado Springs loses a match. And sorry, yeah, a quick that... clarification. It was April 30th that Louisville and Pittsburgh plays. So that's uh, at the end of the month. So they have two more games each until they would face each other. No, I feel the same way as Alan about Colorado Springs, just given their schedule. And I mean, given the way that they're playing, they've been the biggest riser of anybody in terms of the modeling I've done with like playoff odds and all that. I mean, if you watch them, they pass the eye test with flying colors. So that's really a scary team. Um, yeah, so that sort of rounds out the Saturday matches, at least. I know we had um, the Birmingham game I mentioned on Sunday. Uh, we also had Louisville really dispatch with loud and easily. Anyone have thoughts over there? Over our people's champion, not holding up. <laughs> let me us. down. They let me down. I, I thought they had a chance to do something great and shut everybody up, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, Loudon had two shots and none on target in that game. So really a, a thorough victory for Lou City there. I think if once we get to that Louisville-Pittsburgh match that everyone's going to have circled on their calendars at the end of the month, whoever comes out ahead of that one, if it's a draw, if you're still ahead on points or the winner, I think they will be the inside track to uh, winning the Eastern Conference this year. Yeah, especially with like the tiebreak being head-to-head first. Like these head to head matchups are like money in the bank if you can win, especially on the road. If you get a road victory, like that puts all the pressure on the other team to try and, and match that uh, when they come to your place, uh, especially in some of these tiebreak situations. Uh, so these head to head matchups mean so much more, and home, winning at home means so much more because you only get that one shot. Uh, so this, it should, uh, that one should be fun. Although I have a uh, a loose city match circled on my calendar well before they get to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, any thoughts on that Birmingham game? I know uh, we don't have Kaler here to talk through it, but Anderson Asiudu looked good. Juan Agadelo got his full debut. Hartford was competitive, but I just don't know how much punch they have this year. But good game overall, if anyone saw it. I actually watched a good bit of it. Um... I wanted to see how Agudelo was 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 playing, how how fit he looked, um, and I think he fits well in with the squad. And I'm not gonna lie, I was excited when I say to scored that goal. You know, I, I remember seeing him, and uh, I think he got drafted by Atlanta originally. 
Yeah, that's um, right. And and uh, I was, he seemed like such a sweet, kind person, and there's a big smile on his face. And I was hoping he could break in with Atlanta, um, Atlanta United, and that didn't work out. But it was just exciting to see him score that winner, and, and he he was playing well for someone that is his size and the excitement that he had to score a goal, especially a header, was wide open. It was just an exciting game to watch, and it, it, I had. Couldn't help but smile just thinking about thinking about Kaler and how happy he probably was. Uh, finally, I got I got a big win, and I know he that's his boy. So it was it was a fun game to watch. Um, and I don't rate Hartford very much, and it, 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 but it was a fun game to watch, and it was exciting. Hartford and Oakland are one of or basically down, the final two teams in the league who have yet to get a victory in the championship right now and they do actually play each other this year unfortunately it's for the penultimate game of the season out in october so unless they go on really unlikely runs of not winning games we won't have a a really uh bad matchup at the end of the year but between those two teams which one do you think will be the last winless team remaining i say Hartford between those two just for reference, uh, Hartford's next three games is away to the Miami FC, hosting Detroit, and then uh, then traveling to Indy 11. And then for Oakland, uh, it has to load for a sec. And, uh, for they San Oak- yeah, they have Sorry. San Diego tomorrow uh, at home. Uh, they're home to Loudoun on the 16th and away to El Paso on the 23rd. Yeah, I think they'll pull off that Loudoun win. That's what's wild. Like yeah, some of those All might be right, draws. No, you're right. You're right. And I, I tend to think Hartford is kind of dire overall. Like I didn't love their off season, and I've not liked much of what I've seen from them. So I think they're going to be the last team to get off the schneid here. But it could go either way. You never know in this league. Yeah, because Oakland's played some pretty decent matches against New Mexico and Tampa Bay. Like a really gutsy game of against Tampa Bay. But again, they were really gutsy and just picked up a point. And like Oakland was one of those teams that just happened to land in the right spot to get into the playoffs. I think a really hot goalkeeper helped with that down the stretch. Um, but Oakland did this last year too, right? Started off really slow and then kind of went on a run after they figured some stuff out. Um, but they were not great for a while, right? They're count- Everyone was counting out Oakland except for like Oakland. Um, but I do see that they could probably sneak a win somewhere. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't actually wouldn't be surprised if they pulled off uh, a win on Wednesday against a San Diego team who's been playing seemingly every three days. Uh, so I would not be surprised if they pulled off something as early as tomorrow. Uh, even uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen uh, for my sanity and my Twitter feed. Uh, but I would not be surprised if they. Uh, played if if San Diego went in there a little bit rotated with the big Louisville match coming up on Saturday, followed by Open Cup against Galaxy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they put out a slightly weaker side and Oakland actually uh, nicks one. Uh, not unlike Tulsa, although Oakland and Tulsa, I wouldn't compare those two. But um, San Diego did not look the same offensive juggernaut against Tulsa as they did against some of the other teams. And you, Oakland is a team that could t- pull that off, keep San Diego off the score sheet and you know San Diego hasn't been the best at keeping balls out of their own net uh, so you could see a 1-0 uh, 
uh, victory from Oakland. That's not what I'm predicting, but I can definitely see it happening. Yeah, Alan, to add to your point, last season, Oakland Roots began the year with just one win in their 13 games. They had one win, three draws, and the remainder was losses. So they were certainly a struggling team for the first half of the year, but then they got hot through the month of August and September. That really helped save their season and and bring them into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think they've got a little bit of spark from Formella and Dennis on the wings. Like You can see how they could maybe hold somebody defensively with that back three. I don't necessarily necessarily believe they can get that every week, but there's a pathway for them at least. Um, yeah, Gio, I did want to ask what caught your eye in League One. I know we talked a bit about that Charlotte Fuego match. Union uh, Omaha got that draw against Madison, which I watched a bit of. Anything popping for you? Uh, that forward Madison Omaha game was fun because they're they're. It's always fun for me seeing the fans go back and forth. Uh, well, lack thereof of Madison on Twitter, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh, but going back and forth, you know, they create a rivalry because they are somewhat close to each other, and they can go to those away games. And I know a good bit of Omaha fans um, and some friends who had traveled to that game. Um, and that was a fun game to watch. You know, it was back and forth. I didn't know what to expect out of Madison this season. Um, they had a lot of turnover, lots of turnover, and so did Omaha. And they're both new-look teams with new players. And seeing them go at each other, uh, just like games in the past, uh, without a lot of their veterans uh, and their star players, is really fun to, to see. That they, they, they really are get, finding new talent around the league in, from college or whatnot. And, you know, uh, that's a rivalry that I see happening. I know Greenville and Omaha, like, we go back and forth uh, with rivalries because of just the games that we've had and the, the championships that we've been fighting for. But um, I was impressed with, with how Madison was playing. Um, Richmond is another team that's been very impressive. They got a draw with Hailstorm after the Hailstorm upset um, Colorado switchbacks. And that was a hard-fought game also. Um, I think... I. Richmond is a hard team for me, like as far as even predictions go, because they, they're very up and down. They're, they're a pretty consistent team. They have Terzaghi, who's always going to find a way to score a goal. But they are fun team to watch, and I think I think they're definitely a team that will really fight for the playoffs this year and, and do something, because I think they'll be consistent. Um, we talked about Charlotte Independence also. Um, you know, they... They are very up and down. It's going to be interesting to see if they have turnover, if once players who are joining loan from Charlotte and whatnot, you know, they have a lot of young players and they have good talent. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be a, a team that everybody's going to walk over. Um, eventually, I feel like they'll find their footing. Um, and it'll be fun to watch them being so close to Greenville. Maybe we'll have a little, you know, rivalry there um, for years to come. But, um, you know, I, I think they'll find their place eventually. Um, I just think they went up against a very strong Fuego side that's very confident at the moment. How'd you feel about Miguel Ibarra in that game? I don't know. I I know he's a great quality player, and, and I just I can't help thinking, like, it's an ex-U.S. men's national team player. <laughs> you know, I remember when that happened. Yeah. It was such a big deal to see a USL championship player play. Um, you know, I... I think he's a decent player. I think he brings good 
leadership to the team and good quality. I don't necessarily think he's this all-star player who, you know, he's not going to be big MVP of the league. You know, I think he he's lost some of his touch, but um, I think he's a great signing, and I hope he stays and helps a lot of those younger players there to help them get that professionalism that, that he brings, that he can show them um, to help grow the team instead of just making it a quick, you know, loan and then hope that he's going to go go play with Charlotte FC once it gets a little bit hotter whenever because they're in need of winger too, wingers too. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Um, but. Yeah, no, that sounds about right, especially given what we saw out of him uh, in seasons past in the championship. But I think it's that time that we move along and get into a little bit of a preview for next week. So just to start the prediction train, we've got Memphis-Tulsa uh, Wednesday night match. Uh, we'll go and start with Ryan, then Geo, then Allen, and I'll circle back. So Ryan, hit it off. I picked Tulsa to get this one. I think they showed a lot of uh, just flashes of what they can do last week. And despite any, uh, just one win in the last three, I think they get the result here over Memphis. I feel the same way. I think they'll get the result, and I don't want their admin to at me. Um, they, they let Allen down last week. I don't think they'll let me down this week. Yeah, contrary to everything I want to do, uh, I, I have, I, I'm going to pick Tulsa here. Um, I, I think they are actually a pretty good squad, although they definitely let me down. I'm now in last place. Thanks, Tulsa. <laughs> Tied for yeah. last place. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a pretty true believer in what Tulsa's doing, so I've got them winning this one as well. Uh, we've got a Friday national game, uh, Detroit-Birmingham. How are you feeling about that? I think what we've seen when they've gotten into the league here that Detroit has a really menacing place to play at home, that it's really difficult to go in there and get a result. I think, I think they're going to continue to defend their home field and get the victory over Birmingham. I decided to go with the draw. I think Birmingham Birmingham's will start gelling, and they will, especially with Agudela playing, once he gets fully fit, I think he'll be a great player for them. Um, I think it'll be a fun one. I really, I did want to go with Detroit uh, a little bit, but I went for a draw um, for the sake of hoping I can get it right, and Birmingham will put up a good fight. Yeah, I went with almost the exact opposite thought. Is I, I was leaning more toward a draw, but if I picked a draw, then Detroit City would probably pull off a win here. Uh, all of the bands aside with Detroit City, uh, I think they've been a pretty fun watch. Uh, they've been very competitive. Uh, again, I think you know you mentioned their their home environment. Uh, I think they like playing there, uh, and I think they play well there. Uh, and so I am picking them to win. Yeah, and I'm going against my better judgment here and thinking that Birmingham is going to win. I just like the look of what they're doing offensively, and I think they're getting there. So uh, next up, we've got an interesting cross-conference game with Vegas and Pittsburgh. I backed Pittsburgh to win this one. I think it's the furthest west they've played in quite some time since we did the single league when uh, Sacramento had just joined the league. Um, but I still think they get the result here. Lily Ball continues to roll forward. I actually went with something I didn't want to do, but this was much earlier in the day when I picked this, but I went with the lights. Um, just being at home, I'm hoping that they can uh, get this win and 
I'm not a big fan of Pittsburgh uh, for, <laughs> for, for for reasons I won't discuss here. But um, I, I think the Lights will pull off a win and get back on track to uh, push for the playoffs. And, and... So I think I'm going to go for my second miss lock this week by picking Pittsburgh and locking it in. Um, it's. I think it's going to be a tough test. It's a small pitch. It's a weird environment. Um, there's like pools and tables, and maybe they have Long a water balloon site. Um, it's kind of the anti-Pittsburgh. I, I would put Vegas is the anti-Pittsburgh. Uh, but I'm gonna since they uh, were the team that blew up my lock last week. I'm gonna go with them, and then we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll have to pick lights as my lock next week. Yeah, Vegas is an agent of chaos, really, but I did go with a Pittsburgh lock here. Um, we've also got a Texan matchup to discuss, and that would be San Antonio against El Paso. I went with the draw with this one. I feel like uh, El Paso is at least trying to figure something out a bit better, and hopefully this 5-0 win this past week over Monterey Bay kind of really helps rejuvenate the team, but I still think San Antonio is one of the stronger teams within the conference, so I think the points will be shared. I went with San Antonio on this one. Uh, I've been impressed from the games that I have seen them play in. And, uh, El Paso, I think they're still trying to figure things out. I I know they got that win against Monterey Bay, but I don't rate Monterey Bay very highly either, although I love Dallas J uh, back there from Greenville. Um, I, I, I think it might have been a fluke, and I think uh, they'll pull off the win over El Paso. Uh, what six goals in five games? I think San Antonio has enough firepower to score a goal against El Paso's shaky defense. Uh, I think El Paso is good enough, uh, to score at least one against a pretty solid San Antonio defense. Uh, but I don't think there's much more in that. I'm gonna pick a draw as well. Yeah, in thinking about this one, I'm kind of sold on El Paso fixing things, so I went with the draw. And I'm not confident about that whatsoever. <laughs> um, we, we've got another sort of interstate battle with Orange County Sacramento on the cards, though. I think Orange County has had a really slow start to their title defense. And I feel like Sacramento has just more quietly began the season with a pretty decent start with three wins out of their first four games. So I think Sacramento continues that good form and gets the victory here. I went with a draw on this one. Um, I've only watched a little bit of each of them play. Uh, Sacramento, I only watched some of their Open Cup game, um, which is fun to watch two Union Omaha players that I hated watching them play in League One because they were so well to link up. Um, but um, regardless, uh, I can't really differentiate the two. I think they'll go with the draw. Yeah, I'm not sold on Orange County yet. I do think that they're going to figure some stuff out. Uh, eventually, uh, they're just not super clicky in the offensive zone, um, and maybe not at quite as confident defending. Um, they're playing with really thin margins right now, and I think Sacramento just has a little bit more than what they what Orange County has to offer. I'm gonna pick a Sacramento win here, but I will not be surprised if this is a low scoring draw. Yeah, Sacramento's had a pretty friendly schedule as of late, only having a weak U.S. Open opponent. And despite my better judgment, I'm going with a draw here. I think Orange County has to right the ship at some point. So I do think that's a good Republic team. However, um, we've got really the biggest matchup of the whole weekend in San Diego, Louisville to discuss next. 
God, I feel compared to everyone else's picks, I feel really uh, boring just picking a draw with this one. I just feel like Louisville's defense has been really stifling this year, and it's been shown throughout all of their games. Uh, like Indy was, I think, the only team who was able to nick a, a goal off of them with five shutouts on them. I do feel like uh, San Diego will get goals past Louisville on here. Both teams seem to, or they seem to be at least adept enough to do that, but I'm going to go with the draw here. Whenever we have these big top-of-the-table clashes, it always tends to have like the points be shared, and I feel like it, there's enough here that it would have a draw. I feel very hypocritical because I said Louisville earlier we're going to be the last undefeated team, but I did pick the Loyal, actually, when I sent this in at noon today. Um, that's just what I was feeling at the time, trying to get this get it done. Uh, and so I'm, I can't take it back. No taxi backsies. I'm going to go with the loyal. I'm excited for the team that's down there. Um, I think Evan Conway has been really good there. Uh, I enjoyed watching him play Omaha, except when he played against Greenville. Uh, but um, I think they look really good. Uh, I, I think loyal will pull off a win. Loyal are at home, correct? Correct. So, so I, I think that also, for me, had a good good part of it. Um, if, if Allen will be there, they'll win for us. Yeah, I think Loyals looked really nice at home. Um, they've scored um, multiple goals multiple times. The only time they lost was when they didn't. Um, I What I hope is this is like Man City-Liverpool or Liverpool-Chelsea from the season where two heavyweights like go at each other. That's like my hope. I doubt it'll happen, but I, I'm still holding out hope that they just both like throw haymakers. Uh, I think on, on two balls and a mic, I, I said it was like a 3-2 San Diego win. Uh, that's what I'm still hoping for. It, it, this could be a really good showcase match. Um, I think if this was in Louisville, I would have picked them. Uh, but San Diego being at home, I think the way they're playing at home right now, um, I think San Diego can get this one done. Um, so I'm picking them as well. I think I kind of have to, right? Yeah, you're required. Um, I had someone on Twitter reach out and kind of ask, like, what's the way to beat Louisville defensively? And in just looking at some things that have forced them to give up goals in the past, it's the presence of a striker who can hold up the ball, Vassell, and it's wingers who can stretch you in the channels with pace and take advantage of the high fullbacks. That's Moshibane. And so with that in mind, I went with San Diego and, do I feel confident? Once again, not at all, but got to stick by it. Um, but with that said, let's move on to some League One picks, uh, starting with Charlotte against Northern Colorado. I think Northern Colorado really impressed against uh, Richmond for their first official league match. And Charlotte's shown from this one that they are like prone to playing a very chaotic defensive or chaotic game on defense to allow a lot of goals. So I have Northern Colorado picking up their first ever League One victory. I agree. I went with Northern Colorado also, uh, not because independents blocked me on Twitter, but because they are very shaky in the back. They have good quality midfield, and they have some good, talented South American players up top. But I, I don't, and with Ibarra also on the wing, but um, I think the Hailstorm has a more complete team. Um, they have good leaders on their team. Um, Ara is a great striker. I think Lachlan McLean is is playing well for them right now. Got the assist in the Open Cup game. Um, and they looked pretty good against uh, Richmond. They weren't scared against Richmond at all playing away. And I know they're not going to be scared of independence with their 10 fans. So I'm going with Hellstorm. 
Yeah, I'm also uh, going with Hailstorm as well. Although, you know, Charlotte did put up a good fight against uh, a Central Valley Fuego team who looked uh, absolutely lights out in their Open Cup match. Um, but I, I think Northern Colorado uh, has enough to get uh, a pretty a, to get by Charlotte. Plus, um, you know, Charlotte blocked Geo on Twitter, so I gotta I gotta roll with my homies. Thank you. Yeah, right. Defending Geo's honor and loving that Breck Evans, Leo Fola center back pairing. I went with Northern Colorado as well. Uh, we've got another geocentric matchup here with North Carolina against Greenville. I went with Greenville for this one. I feel like just playing at home and against one of their uh, Carolina Derby rivals that uh, they'll get the result here. Um, I went with Greenville, although Greenville's playing away. Uh, yeah, they are playing away. Um, sadly, I can't go because it's Easter weekend. Although I'd love to go visit my family in Raleigh. Um, we've beat. They. We have never lost to them. Also, we we have drawn and we have pulled out wins. I went last year to Cary to watch that game. I don't want to say Raleigh. I get yelled at if I don't say Cary. Uh, Cary, and and it was a fun game. And I think uh, North Carolina have pulled out a good win against Tormenta, um, but. Uh, I think I still think their defense is shaky at times. Um, they still don't have a lot of leadership. They have a lot of young players, and I think those are very talented players for the future. But I think Greenville, after that big win that we had against Oakland, and we had a little bit of a break, um, we'll be going into this one. We, we had some injuries. Um, one of our new players, Jamie Smith, is injured and will be out for a while. He told me he won't be able to play in the Open Cup game, uh, which stinks because it'll be big. But I think. This will be a fun game, and then I think the guys will be up for it, especially with the big game against Charlotte FC coming up next week. So Ryan just put in our chat uh, a little behind the scenes that last time we all picked against NCFC in predictor, NCFC got the win. So to help Geo out, I'm picking a draw. That way Geo's Greenville can get a win. And so yes, I'm doing that for you. That was my lock also. I had to Good. go with my team. The sacrifices we make. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to help the team, right? That's love. Yeah, so uh, weirdly, my mom's favorite player in all of soccer is Don Smart, just because of oh, the connection. <laughs> so <laughs> um, <laughs> that's really driving my thought process here. Going with Greenville, yeah. Don is playing um, very well. He have been surprised, like, for, I'm not going to call him an old man, but for a veteran, I, I love his his persona. He's just the nicest human being I've ever met, and so I love that. Yeah, definitely someone with a bit of a veteran presence. Um, we've got a little bit more league action to hit here with Chattanooga against Richmond. Richmond with a very uh, just interesting couple opening games that they've had to start the year, but Chattanooga with that three to one comeback victory over NCFC last week still showed that they're a very solid team. So I want to draw on this one. I actually went with Chattanooga. I did want to lean towards a draw really bad because I think uh, Chattanooga is a very chaotic team. and They're still uh, just still trying to find their footing after lo- losing Ruiz uh, this season, who's their main you know, difference maker, getting all the assists. Um, they still got to find where they're going to they look for where they're going to find those goals from. Um, but I went with them to pull off a win at home. They are a hard team to play at home. Richmond, I feel like they're strong, uh, but they couldn't get the win against the Hailstorm. And I, um, 
I really wanted to go with a drop, but I'm gonna pull out a cardiac wolves and the like just typical Red Bulls win here in the 99th minute goal. Yeah, I had a hard time picking between these two. Um, I haven't spent a ton of time watching uh, the Chattanooga Red Wolves soccer club, uh, hashtag mountains. Um, <laughs> so I had, a, I had a hard time picking this one, to be honest. Uh, so I went with a draw. Um, I think maybe Richmond, maybe not as good as that opening win is, uh, but maybe, you know, they're, they're not going to be a bad team. So I think they can get something here on the road against uh, the Wolves of Red. Yeah, Chattanooga, I don't know. They've got a couple guys with a lot of lower league experience. They look decent against Carolina. Something is just holding me back, and I went with the draw on this one, but I, I don't know. Could go either way. And last but not least, we've got a pretty fun matchup with Tormenta and Omaha to discuss. When I was looking into this one, if you look on some of the head-to-head history between Tormenta and Omaha within football, it showed that uh, Tormenta has not beaten Omaha within their head-to-head history within the USL League One, and I think Omaha still showed that they're a they at least they can get enough goals. They played well against a Ford Madison team this past weekend for that draw. So I actually went and partially for this, which is just try and differentiate pick. I he had locked in Omaha as winning this week. That's a big pick right there. Um, I actually went with the draw. Um, Tormenta being at home, um, and I think they have a decent squad. They put up a really good result against Charleston, an early morning game that was fun to watch at work. Um, but uh, I, I think they have good quality side. I think once we see Sterling and I believe Kingsford, uh, I think those are two top quality players that are going to be uh, that are going to be fighting to be in the team of the year. They Tormenta is still figuring things out with a lot of the new players. Losing Nicoletto really hurt, um, but Omaha is still need to find where the goals are going to come from without Hurst and Conway. Both of them had double digit goals last year. And I don't really see any of their players getting double-digit goals right now. It's going to be a fight between, you know, all these new players, a lot of young players. Um, so I think Tormenta being at home and, and Omaha having to travel uh, to South Georgia, uh, I think that they at least get a draw and be fighting a hard-fought game. Yeah, I went with a draw on this one as well. I think um... – I think I need to like borrow Geo and watch a bunch of USL League One teams this weekend to get a better grip on these teams. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Like Union Omaha is not, it's not, it's not your father's Union Omaha. Uh, they're they're you know a team in flux. I, I think you know South uh, jo- South Georgia Tormenta FC uh, is also a team trying to to find their footing. Um, I don't think either of these teams are particularly. Uh, I don't say impressive early on, but I think, you know, they're, they're having their growing pains. And so I, I went with a draw. Yeah. I went Tormenta win here um, for the reasons that a lot of people were saying about the doubts about did Omaha run it back enough to be competitive. And given that Tormenta completely dominated, I mean, a bad Charleston team, like a really bad Charleston team, but they dominated them nonetheless, so that kind of informed my thinking there. Uh, but I think that's a wrap on the prediction segment, so I'll give everyone a chance to maybe give a spare thought, and then we'll call it a day here. 
I guess for my spare thought of the week is I will be in a Pixar movie trivia contest uh, tomorrow night, which I'm looking forward to. I'm going to do it as a solo team. So my hope is since I haven't yet seen Luca or Turning Red that I can just use the other movies to try and uh, at least hopefully boost my team forward. Or myself in that race. Boost your, boost your one man team. Um, I'll tell you what, the original music in Turning Red, good stuff. Like, really stuck in my head. But, but I thought that was, although that movie had a lot of controversy, I loved it. My 12 year old daughter, well, she's soon to be 12 year old daughter, but she loved it. Uh, that was a great movie for, for what it was. And Luca is definitely worth watching. That is my son, my newborn. My, not newborn, he's five months old, but that's my son's name, so you gotta watch it. Um, but speaking of trivia, my daughter had a book trivia competition today. I was worried I wasn't going to make it here with you guys. Uh, they did not win, unfortunately, uh, but it was fun. And uh, I'm just happy to be in first place on these picks, doing these picks right now. I took a screenshot because I doubt I'll see this again. Um, but I've loved watching, uh, just learning more about the championship and getting, being, having a deep dive in US League one and making all the friends that I have. Um, just around the league in general. And I'm just happy to be here with you guys and happy to be just learning more and, and just having this fun community. And Greenville's gonna be Charlotte FC. Uh, hopefully I got my rating up high enough coming in as a 19th minute substitute, uh, or I guess not really a substitute because I wasn't subbing on for anybody. Uh, but you know, uh, I was at some therapy, so I was coming home from therapy. So if you're not doing therapy, you should look into it. Uh, I think there's some sponsored ads on our rival total soccer show or our, our beef, not really our rival. Cause they're like way up there, but like our consistent beef with total soccer show. Uh, so, uh, yeah, mental health is important. Uh, seeing a therapist is no big deal. It's pretty enlightening. So, uh, you know, your favorite sports athlete probably sees a therapist. So you should too. Yeah. I love that. Um, and yeah, I mean, just speaking to the quality of therapy, like definitely something everyone should be looking into. We are very pro mental health here at the USL show. Um, I just wanted to kind of jump off uh, what Gio was saying with uh, trivia. I was a total quiz bowl nerd from like middle school onward. Like that was my go-to sport, if you can call it that. So just sing the praises of that. Embrace your inner nerd. Go do a trivia contest like you're Ryan. Uh, but yeah, that's my shout out. Uh, happy that we've had everyone join in. Uh, obviously missing Kayla, missing Phil tonight, but I think we had a good conversation. And thanks to everyone who jumped in with the comments and we'll be seeing you soon next time. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL show. This and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network. Find podcasts and other written work at BGN.FM. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.